0: Every day, during this great and terrible pause, Cood Street is spending 10 minutes or so with readers and book lovers from around the world, asking them what they're reading and what they'd recommend to anyone with a bit of time on their hands. Today, I'm spending 10 minutes or so with the fabulous Lisa Hannett, whose work has won the Aurealis and Dittmar Awards and been nominated for the World Fantasy Award. She joins me from somewhere in the city of churches. Hello, Lisa.
1: Hello, Jonathan.
0: How are you?
1: I am doing all right and it's so great to see your face, even though everyone else will only hear our voices.
0: This is the truth. So I have to ask, how are you how are you coping with things in this strange and difficult time? I am
1: realizing that I am much more of an extrovert than I ever thought that I was. I've found it a a roller coaster of emotions as I'm sure so many other people have. At first I thought this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be working from home, which I try to do a lot anyways. I'll get some writing done. I'll teach my online courses for university. It'll be great. But then I realized that as much as I love my family, I also love seeing other people <laughs> and I like interacting with them in real time. And so I found it a bit of a struggle
0: to just be in my house. I can so- believe it. there's a mammoth difference between the voluntary introvert and the involuntary introvert.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I'm an excellent voluntary introvert. I love having time to myself. I love reading. I love writing. I love shutting people out. But being told I'm not allowed <laughs> to go out and <laughs> with people has been
0: an yeah. issue. So let me ask you, are, are you finding that you're able to, to read, to work, to function, uh, that kind of thing? Or, or has this really put a pause on you as it has with some people?
1: I feel like the first week or two threw me for a big loop, especially since, um for those people who don't know, I am a, a lecturer at a university here in Adelaide. And so we were told immediately that we had to change everything. We're no longer seeing people in person, so we have to get everything online. And so I felt like for a week or two, I was just... Like Wiley e. Coyote off the edge of the mm-hmm, cliff, mm-hmm. spinning. Um, and luckily, I managed to fly back onto the cliff instead of falling. So, uh, once I got everything sorted there, I was able to get back into doing some creative writing um, and doing the work that I need to do for work and also bringing in reading more just for fun. Because that's something that I've noticed the difference is that I just want to read or watch shows that are escapist. So things that are set in the past or in the future, but I veered away from things that are set in the now.
0: Well, that actually touches on part of what I might have asked you, which is, do you find that you're reading differently in this time?
1: I'm reading differently. I'm reading more. I mean, I guess I have more time to use the Kindle app on my phone, and read some novel-length works instead of as many short stories as I am accustomed to reading. Um, but also, it's really, really escapist. It has to make me feel some sort of sense of joy, or I get immersed in it in a way that, you know, the way that I used to read, or you should always read, but I haven't always read this way. Like, when I was in high school, sure. or in, sure. my undergrad days, where it was just like you got immersed in the world, sucked in, and you forget everything else because you're so involved in the story. And you know, when you have to do a bunch of reading for review or for things that you haven't necessarily chosen, that doesn't always happen. So I found that I'm going back to my inner teenager and reading with that in mind.
0: Excellent. Well, then that does lead into the obvious question. So Lisa, what have you been reading? And critically, is it any good?
1: I have been reading, I guess another thing, I've always been a person that reads lots of things at once, but I've really noticed it could be because of this whole situation where I'm skipping between several books instead of, just finishing one off I'm kind of you know whatever the mood when the mood strikes and I'll change back to the one that I was reading yesterday so um I am reading like probably a lot of people Network Effect by Martha Wells because I love Murderbot and I couldn't wait for that novel to come out so that's one that I'm actually kind of just drip feeding to myself so that it doesn't end too quickly but it's great the voice the character love um I'm also, I have just finished a book of short stories mm-hmm. called Smart Ovens for Lonely People by a Perth writer, Elizabeth Tan, and it was brilliant. And I, I reviewed it for the Australian Book Review and said as much. It is a brilliant collection of strange, heartwarming, weird stories that are set in a near future Perth. The writing is wonderful. The situations are so whimsical and yet satirical and really speak to the present moment. So that's the only one that sort of breaks my rule about not reading anything about the now. Yep. Um, wonderful, wonderful collection. I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, I've also been reading Master and Commander by Patrick O'Brien.
0: Wow. Yep. Have you read that one? I have, yes. Well,
1: it is Thoroughly enjoyable and completely different from the other stuff that I'm reading. But it's another one I'm reading kind of slowly because the chapters are about an hour long on my Kindle. So, you know, I get through them at a steady pace. But I love anything to do with the sea. And I love historical fiction. So that one's just been ticking a lot of boxes.
0: For and, me as well. and, and of course, you've got quite a large series there to, to look forward to.
1: It's true. It's such a good thing if you're enjoying it to know that there's more coming. And that makes me think of another thing I've been reading based on a recommendation by Kat Sparks. And that's the Ellie Griffith's Ruth Galloway crime mm-hmm. series, where Ruth Galloway is an archaeologist in the north of England and has an expertise in in bones. So she gets called into investigate crimes. And Kat mentioned it on Facebook. And I thought that sounds up my alley and proceeded to snort the first four <laughs> volumes in an 11 book series. So those were ones where I just couldn't believe how quickly I was reading through all those books. So i now I'm kind of only reading one every few other books so that again, the series doesn't run out too quickly. So enjoyable. I mean, they're just fun brain candy. And that's exactly what I need at this point. I um, totally understand. One other book that I'm reading right now is Her Perilous Mansion by Sean Williams, which is a YA gothic mystery fantasy, and it is brilliant so far. I am only about 100 pages in, but it's wonderful. It's so enjoyable. The premise is two young kids go to work in what seems like a, a great gothic manor full of mystery and magic. Mm-hmm. They don't know why they're there and they have to figure it out. And I am there for the whole ride. It's so <laughs> And it's a kind of historical fiction as well, but it is it is one that as soon as I start to read it, I just am immersed in the prose and in the world and the characters are delightful. So
0: I'm enjoying the heck out of that one. Excellent. So it sounds like you're reading a whole spectrum of material, which is great. And I have to say that some of it actually mirrors my own experience. I found myself falling into a series of crime novels and reading six books back to back, something I've not done since I was in my early 20s kind of thing. So I totally get that. So let me ask you, when you look back, are there things that you would recommend for this sort of time? Do you think this is a time for comfort reading? Is it time for challenging reading?
1: I feel like, people have enough challenges right now in real life. So I'm all about the comfort read. And I'm also doing a a little bit of rereading, which is one of those things that I tend not to do as much anymore because of the dreaded calculation of how many hours are left in life versus how many books. And I feel like it's just too scary to think about. So I don't often reread, but I've found myself going back uh, I'm rereading a book called Galore by Michael Crummy, who's a Canadian author, and it's set in a kind of folkloric time of New- Newfoundland's history, so early kind of uh, 19th century. And I've read this book three times already, mm-hmm. and yet I'm reading it again. It's on my bedside table. So I do, I find that it's, uh, I recommend going back to the favorites, going back to the stories that make you feel. Like that warm feeling in your heart or you (laughs) admire the prose so much or, you know, the kind of aspirational works. Anything that's going to make people feel joy at this particular time, (laughs) that's what I'm feeling at the moment.
0: So tell me, what's happening in your creative world? What have you been up to? Do you have anything out in the universe?
1: I have a new collection of short stories.
0: Which is
1: called Songs for Dark Seasons, and it was published by Ticonderoga. It just came out a month ago, actually. So it's still a new baby. Mm-hmm. And it is, well, it does what it says, Elle McCann. It's Songs for <laughs> Dark Seasons. So these are dark fantasy, horror, fairly bleak stories yep. with moments of brightness in them. But um, as I was rereading the proofs before it got published, I thought, Oh, <laughs> these are some bleak stories for this particular time. But at the same time, <laughs> I was really glad to be back in that world. So these are stories that are set in the same world as Bluegrass Symphony, which yep. is the collection that got nominated for the World Fantasy Award. So I couldn't quite quit that world yet, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back. And so here's another book of them.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. So have those, some of those stories been published elsewhere as well, or is it all original? Yeah.
1: They're, uh, it's about... Uh, about 50-50 I'd say okay. so bluegrass was mostly original material uh, apart from one story this one I had because I've been going back to that world sure. ever since then I had a handful of them published elsewhere uh, and then I thought no I want to have new material for people as well I like it when collections have a lot of new material, so you really feel like you're getting value and you know just get to explore it further so yeah 50-50 sure. I'd say
0: So these darker, wintry stories obviously have an appeal for you creatively. Mm -hmm. What is it that pulls you back to them?
1: I think about this a lot, Jonathan. I love the wintry settings because of the hardship. I like putting people in difficult situations, Mm -hmm. especially normal people, and seeing how they have to cope with it. And I think that this also explains why I'm so attracted to Viking Age Material, mm-hmm. Viking Age stories, why I'm interested in writing those as well. Because in my mind, this, the world of Bluegrass and Songs for Dark Season, which is this kind of faux deep American South, but really imbued with Canadian... <laughs> will, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, it's the hardship and often the kind of expectations of what sorts of people will live there, the social implications, you know, expectations of what men are going to be like and worlds where manly men are manly. (laughs) I'd like to kind of bust those things apart and explore what it's like, especially if magic is involved. Or in the case of the Viking stories, there's still magic involved, but that's because of their worldview. But it's still challenging those kind of social expectations. Yep. And it's so much harder to have all of that happen when you're in a land that itself is really hard to live in. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know. I just find that anytime I start to think about the human condition, my mind goes into these wintry places. I don't know what that says about me, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: the thing is, though, readers follow you there. Obviously, they find some kind of reward, some kind of catharsis mm-hmm. in dealing with stories that are in some sense dark and challenging and yet have some kind of resolution that presumably gives them some sense of either hope or something that they can see in it that they can bring out of it that is more just that i mean more than just simply being bleak and dark and horrific
1: and even if things don't turn out well for the characters which is often the case at least there is that sense of resolution there's a sense of Completion and closure, which of course real life doesn't give you, <laughs> so there is that sense of catharsis, even if it does, you know, it's that kind of therapeutic crying, <laughs> where you <laughs> get the bad feelings out. Um,
0: and so, yeah. do you think that this this collection will be your last visit to this particular world, or do you feel like you'll be going back again at some point?
1: I feel like. For now, it's the last time I'll be going back there, but um, who knows in the future. I'm also working on another collection, which at the moment I'm calling uh, The Fortunate Isles. So alongside the kind of obsession with this fake Deep South, Canadia, uh, I'm also really fascinated with this sort of, again, Canadian-imbued, sort of Newfoundland fisherman village setting that has popped up in a number of short stories that I've had published over the years. So that's another one. I keep going back there. It's The same sort of idea, hard, cold landscape with specific social conditions. But this one is much more folkloric in that it's by the sea. So there are lots of mermaids and harpies and other fish born, like water born <laughs> kind of creatures. And how do these hard downtrodden fisher folk cope in this world? So at the moment, that with my short stories, that's where my mind keeps going. Right. I'm well, ninety percent of the time when I think, Oh, I really want to explore this idea, that yeah. world takes over. And it says, Well, you could set it in this part and explore that little part of the landscape that you haven't done yet. And all of a sudden I have new ideas and then write the stories. Right. So I've got a story coming out in Beneath Ceaseless Skies, which I'm not sure when it's coming out at some point yeah. this year, I think. Um called Deep in the Drift Spinning, and that's one set in this world. So I intend to just keep going back to that world, and when there's a book-length work <laughs> out of it, again, I would like to come up with some new ones that would only be in the collection. Um, hopefully, I'll be working on that next year, actually, and we will see it soon.
0: Excellent. And let me ask you, do you find yourself more drawn to writing about Canada now that you don't live there than you did when you did?
1: Yeah, not least because I didn't actually start writing until I moved here. Well, okay, but well, <laughs> but it, it is a kind of – I feel like Canada – and I grew up in uh, – mostly in Ontario. and My dad was in the military, so we moved all over the place. But I lived mostly in foresty, wintry Canada. And that has just informed my inner world and my inner folklore. So anytime I write fantasy – even if it doesn't seem like it's coming from there, there's something from there that colors what I'm writing. And so I feel like the longer I've been away from Canada, I moved here in 2001, the more those foresty early kind of memories I have keep coming back. And, you know, then I add a fantasy twist to it. But yeah, I feel like um, I'm definitely Constantly turning back to Canada more than drawing on Australia, and mm-hmm. maybe because I still feel a little bit like an interloper here than I do in Canada, even though here definitely feels like home. <laughs> but yeah,
0: yeah. So I should say, "Songs for Dark Seasons" is in stores right now. It is available online. We'll put links in the uh, show notes to go out with the episode, so people can get it. Get it. I'm sure in ebook and print and hardcover and probably deluxe hardcover, all kinds of wonderful things, and they should. But for the moment, Lisa Hannett, thank you so much for making time to talk to me today. I've genuinely enjoyed it.
1: Thanks so much, Jonathan.